Greetings and welcome to St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church here in Fredericton, New Brunswick. It is with great sorrow that I share with you the passing of our friend and colleague, Calvin McIntosh. Although we do not grieve as others without hope, for we are an Easter people, we do ask that you hold his family tight in prayer as they travel this season of grief. Leading worship today will be Helen McKinnon Bagnell, Ardeth Kerr, Jesse Sagawa, Leslie Frazier and her daughter Annika Frazier, and Eleanor Scott. Our psalmist today is Tom Good, and our musician is Lisa Kitchen. Please join me now in the call to worship. This is a place and this is a time here and now God waits to break into our experience, to change our minds, to change our lives, to change our ways, to make us see the world and the whole life in a new light, to fill us with hope, joy, and certainty for the future. This is a place as are all places. This is a time as are all times. O oh God of this place and every place, good of this time and all times, here and now, we praise you. prayer of approach, please join me in prayer. God of grace, from time immemorial, you have moved us across the face of the earth, pouring out mercy, ladling compassion and favor, sending the rain on the just and unjust. In Jesus Christ, you've shown us that love knows no bounds. The grace has no limits. The spirit blows through the world, extending your favor, splintering the berries we erect between us. Out of your infate riches, 
You give your people grace to see your face in those of others, to trust your faithfulness, to lead others into your love. We are a grateful people, humbled by your lavish gifts. Meet us now in this hour of worship that we may open to your love and to the joy of serving you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let us pray. Good and loving God, creator of women and men in your own image, create in us a desire for the wholeness you planned, word made flesh and born of a woman. Empower us to hear your redeeming truth through your holy scriptures, spirit companion of women and men throughout space and time. Open our eyes and our hearts to see the fullness of your created order. Amen. Our first gospel reading comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 45 and verse 56. Mary on the move. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed in a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Our second gospel reading is from Mark chapter 7, verses 24 to 30. From there, Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now, the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She, beg she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed for first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Thanks be to God. Our third gospel reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 13, verses 10 to 17. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. 
When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those six days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. The word of God. Luke 7, verse 36 to 39, 44 to 48. Woman with the jar. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. He went into the Pharisee's house and took place at, his, at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned it, he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and dry them with her hair. She continued kissing his feet and anointing them with ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Then, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Hence, she has been forgiven. But to whom little is forgiven, loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. The fifth gospel reading for this morning is from Luke 10, 38 to 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part which will not be taken away from her. Our sixth lesson today is from John chapter 4, verses 6 to 26. The woman at the well. 
Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go. Call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You were right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. May God bless the reading of his holy word. Amen. Please join me in the prayers of the people. Good and generous God, in Jesus Christ, you came to us promising life in abundance for all people, both women and men. We give you thanks today for the abundant gifts we receive from you, the assurance of your love day by day, the relief of your mercy when we recognize our own failings, hope to sustain us when things seem very bleak, and peace that comes when we trust ourselves to your eternal keeping. These are the gifts that matter, O oh God, for all these gifts 
and other blessings we recognize around us, we give you thanks. Generous God, today we pray for all those whose lives seem empty of joy. Because the going is tough and friends still seem so far away, because their hearts are filled with disappointments, because their sorrow and grief are keen this day. We especially pray for the family of Calvin McIntosh and for this congregation. We ask that you surround his family and friends with your comfort and peace as they began to imagine their lives without his physical presence. And we pray that you have mercy on this congregation as we begin to imagine our future without his wisdom, gentleness, and guidance. Support us all in your abundant compassion, generous God. We remember before you those whose lives are empty of peace and hope because they are struggling with illness or disability, because they are powerless in the face of violence or other forces beyond their control. Especially this day, we pray for all those facing discrimination because of their culture or religion and those still struggling to overcome the effects of this pandemic. Send your peace and promise with signs of new possibility and real hope. Generous God, we remember before you those for whom life is frustrating because they are without work, because they have made poor choices and cannot find a way forward, because what comes next does not seem clear. Support each one in your abundant mercy and lead them to new paths. O oh, good and generous God, fill us with energy and compassion to reach out to those facing difficult times. May we become the gift we have received in Jesus, for it is in his name we pray, saying the words that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our psalm this morning is Psalm number 112. Happy are they who delight, who delight in the law of God. Hallelujah! Happy are they who fear the Lord and have great delight in God's commandments. Their descendants will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in their house, and their righteousness will last forever. Happy are they who delight, who delight in the law of God. Light shines in the darkness for the upright. The righteous are merciful and full of compassion. It is good for them to be generous in lending and to manage their affairs with justice, for they will never be shaken. The righteous will be kept in everlasting remembrance. Happy are they who delight, who delight in the law of God. They will not be afraid of any evil rumors. Their heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. 
Their heart is established and will not shrink until they see their desire upon their enemies. They have given freely to the poor and their righteousness stands fast forever. They will hold up their head with honor. The wicked will see it and be angry. They will gnash their teeth and pine away. The desires of the wicked will perish. Happy are they who delight, who delight in the law of God. Amen. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our seventh lesson for this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke. It is situated immediately after Jesus' dinner party with the Pharisee and his encounter with the woman with the alabaster jar that we heard about in our third lesson, Although for millennia people have wanted to cast this poor soul as a prostitute, there is nothing in the text to suggest that she was. Please remember that women are creative enough to engage in sinful conduct that has nothing to do with trafficking and sex trades. Think about Martha Stewart, for example. When we read the scripture, it is important to read what is there and not what our society and culture suggests should be there. Listen now for the word of God from the eighth chapter of Luke, verses one through three. Soon afterward, Jesus went through the cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, 
from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Cusa, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. This is a word of God for the people of God. Somewhere around 10 years ago, this bit of scripture caught my attention. I grew up reading the Bible, dipping in and out, and returning to favorite sections and stories. And faithfully for decades, I had sat in pews listening to sermons and participating in Bible studies. As a child, I could recite all the names of the disciples in my Sunday school class. Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, Thaddeus, and Judas Iscariot. But for some reason, I had managed to completely ignore these additional named traveling companions of Jesus. And since stumbling on this passage, I have been on a quest to figure out what else I had not noticed. Even after three years in seminary, this teeny bit of God's holy word still causes me to pause and rethink what I think I know about Jesus and the Bible. There are many things about Luke 8, 1 through 3 that are perplexing. Jesus lived in the first century in a time that scholars refer to as the Second Temple Judaism. We have little literary materials that have survived from this time, and what we do have depicts the lives of the average woman as little more than chattel slavery. Now, before you start to argue with me citing examples from the Roman Empire in antiquity, remember that people's roles in their societies were not all the same. It wasn't monolithic. We are talking about Jewish women in the ancient Galilee. The ancient writers depict that Jewish women of this time and place were confined to home, not allowed to study, and any resources they possessed were the property of their male guardian, their husband, their father, brother, son. In fact, one of the worst positions for a woman, we are told by these writers, was for a woman to be abandoned without a male sponsor. Luke 8, one through three, counters all of this these women are not only outside their homes, but they are traveling with an itinerant preacher making their own decisions. Much like the Mother Mary, uh, when she, uh, let's just go back, okay. Luke 8 counters all of this. These women are not only outside their homes, but they are traveling with an itinerant preacher making their own decisions. Much like Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she leaves home and travels a hundred kilometers to visit her cousin Elizabeth and then back again, seemingly all alone. The women of Luke 8 have resources and clearly enough to pay for the necessities of this relatively large group. We have 16 named people, Jesus, the 12, Mary, Joanna, and Suzanne, and then the many others. Just to let you know, the many others is in the feminine. So Luke 8.3 is referring to a group of women. I suspect that this was a much larger group than just 16 or 20 people. Only two chapters later in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus sends out a group of 72 people. Are these 72 among the many others? 
Joanna is married, and her husband holds an important role in Herod's court. So clearly, these are not just impoverished women who have no other choices. They are providing for Jesus out of their abundance. So, if the vast majority of my life I had simply not noticed this passage, I was actually in very good company. There are virtually no biblical scholars who had mentioned or commented on these verses for almost a century. It wasn't until 1984 that really any academic reference caught this bit of scripture. Prior to that, you would have to look into the 1800s for even an acknowledgement that this was part of Jesus' story. And then it was suggested that these women were nothing more than a lady's auxiliary doing the cooking and cleaning. But the verb used to describe the women's actions has never been used to connote cooking or cleaning when that verb is used with a man. It refers to a man managing things. So, if all this is not perplexing enough, so, if all this is not perplexing enough, here's a real kicker. There is no suggestion of scandal about this mixed group traveling together. Jesus is accused of many things. Beazable, the lord of the demons. He's accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. But never once he is, a, he is accused of any sort of sexual misconduct. Likewise, never are his disciples ever accused of any type of sexual misconduct. And he certainly preaches a profound message about respect for marriage. So, let's come back to our 12 named disciples. Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, Thaddeus, and Judas Iscariot. What we so often miss is that this group was called from a much larger group of disciples. Matthew 10, Mark 3, and Luke 6 all read, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When the morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated as apostles. Disciple is a name for a student, and the Gospels overwhelmingly lay out the case that women were students of Jesus. In our readings this morning, we see the woman at the well engaged in a conversation that aligns with what we would expect between a teacher and a student in the ancient world. She asks questions and she offers challenges. Mary sits at the feet of Jesus, a position common to teachers and students of this era. The Seraphonician woman, when Jesus alludes that her daughter is like a dog, pushes back with wisdom and respect and earns the blessing for her daughter. This is the only account in the Gospels where Jesus changes his mind. Jesus sees women, the women who are suffering and who are overlooked by others, such as the bent-over woman. Jesus really sees them and releases them from their demons and all that plagues their hearts, minds, and bodies. While the scholars couldn't see the women in these passages for over a century, Jesus can certainly see the women. 
In our Luke 8, 1 through 3 passage, we are told that Mary of Magdala was released from seven demons. Jesus had many disciples, not just the twelve. There are people such as the Pharisee Nicodemus, who are described as disciples. The crowds who are with him, and certainly this group of women, whose presence literally rewrites what we assume we know about the roles of women in ancient Galilean world. But Jesus does that, both then and now. Jesus rewrites the stories and the possibilities for all of us, and Jesus sees women even when the scholars and academics would soon ignore the women who are around Jesus. We are all so much more than our culture and our society tell us we are when we are in the company of God. May we all live into our calling as disciples of Christ. Amen. To the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to that which is good. Return no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all people. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and to be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. <laughs>